whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey friends, Karen Pennington here, and I just want to start by saying that I strongly, strongly believe in the value of all human life and in the sanctity of all human life. So that means no matter what shade of brown your skin is, mine is a very, very, very light <laughs> pale shade of brown, and God still loves me and God values me even if I can't get a tan. I mostly just get a, I don't get tan, I get orange. I kind of feel like a an, an Oompa Loompa sometimes. You know those orange people in the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory? But even orange people like me, <laughs> God values. Um, no matter what your value system, people there are people out there that completely disagree with almost anything I say. God still values you. Your life is valuable. I believe in the sanctity of life for those who are older and sick. I believe in the sanctity of life for people who are in their prime. I believe in the sanctity of life for the unborn, for those who have been conceived and are in their mother's womb, God still loves and values you there. I believe in the sanctity of life of those who sin 40 million times a day, which honestly is most of us just in our own ways. And I believe in the sanctity of life of that person who's just trying the best they can to be pure throughout the day in all things with humility. It's all valuable. God loves it all. That said, I'm going to say here, I believe in the sanctity of human life. There are some lives that don't need, that aren't human, that don't need to exist. Now with animals, I still think we should treat them well. And I think I'm fine with eating them well. But what I'm talking about here, let me just cut to the punch. Slugs. Slugs do not need to exist in the area they do. I say this with great annoyance because not being a farmer myself, my husband is... I know uh, that my husband is really excited about this garden he's doing and he had, we went away a couple weeks ago and he had it all really nice. He had a sprinkler system set up. He had it all, you know, the culture's done. We're away. We go Saturday. We come back Friday, six days, six days. The slugs overtook them. They were, the whole one planter box was like almost dead. These slugs, we don't know where they came from. And they just conceived. And all of a sudden, it felt like there were zillions of them. And my husband couldn't get rid of them. And they ate all the seeds up. And they messed up all the growth. And in that one particular planter box, my husband was down to, you know, ground one. Six days. Six days. Um, for that lesser life. And yes, I will say slugs are lesser than humans to kill the life we needed for the plants that we were going to have. Fortunately, we live in a town with cheap groceries, so we're still going to eat. We're still going to be okay. We're just highly annoyed because my husband's like, all this work that's gone, six days. It's like he didn't want to go on the he didn't want to go on the really cool trip where we were in the mountains of North Carolina because these slugs even stole the joy from that. And it's amazing how something really small can steal what matters, you know. 
And so I do submit to you. Human life is valuable. That's not up for grabs. No matter who, how, what. But there are some things that just don't need to be born. There are some things that do not need to be cultivated. In fact, we need to be careful to keep them down. And I'm not even talking about animal protozoa population. There are thoughts in us, thoughts in us that come to us and we don't need to tend that garden. Or better yet, we do need to tend our garden to make sure they stay out. We need to get rid of them as soon as they come. James talks about this. I'm parked in James for a little bit. The other day I was talking about um, distinguishing the will of God from what's not the will of God, rules, that sort of thing. But this is talking again about temptation, about that time of testing. And sometimes God allows things to happen. Sometimes cause, God causes things to happen. But that thing in you that tempts you to sin, that's not God. Any more than a slug is the same thing as a seed. Uh, let's, let's read a little bit. This is James 1. So we're going to start with 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has come, conceived, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Isn't that weird? Birth to death. That's pretty strong imagery. Gives birth to death. That's not the only birth imagery. Let's keep going. We're on verse 16. Don't be deceived, dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that's the born-again language. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all the created. Birth to death or birth to life? Growing in darkness or growing in light? No, it's hard. It wouldn't be nice if it's just all one way or the other wouldn't it be nice if we just could see the garden of our lives and go all good all bad all good all bad and the truth is we just have these slugs that creep in they come up from the ground my husband's so frustrated with this garden because he's like there's just things he wants to put on top of his garden but he's like they come out from underneath they go deep and sometimes you don't know where they're coming from and then they're there and there's like a ton of them and it takes a lot of daily work for him to keep them at bay. Ever felt that way about your thoughts? It's like you think you're doing good and then something just creeps in and you're like, where did that come from? And you have to almost practice at figuring out where they're coming from because the next thing you know, you're angry. <laughs> the next thing you know, you're doing, why am I doing this? You know, um, this word epithumia. That, that means evil desires. It says, James says that our evil desires pull us away. Epithumia, that's also the word for lust. It's earthly passions. Almost always a bad thing in the Bible. There's only one time that the word is used 
and it is not used in a way that it's dragging you away. Uh, epithumia literally means lesser passions it, you or lusts. It is that thing that may or may not be good, but it's lesser than God. It's lesser than God's fulfillment. So you can see how that would be a problem because by very nature, it's tempting. By very nature, it pulls it pulls you. It can pull you away from the things you want. You know, it, not always bad things. You can love to sleep. You can enjoy sleep. But when sleeping is pulling you away from the work you need to do, that becomes an epithumia. That becomes a worldly lust. Uh, you can love, okay, I'm going to go there. You can love cake. Oh, I want cake. Cake is not bad. But when cake is fattening you up without giving you any of the nourishment and you're eating so much of that and eating so much of the junk food that you're not eating what nourishes you, that pulls you away. Don't ask me where because I'm not God, but at some point that's becoming sin because this fleshly desire to feed your appetite, your worldly appetite, your other than wholesome appetite, whatever you want to call it, that that becomes uh, more important than feeding and actually feeding yourself in a nourishment way. This is why so many church traditions don't even want you anywhere near alcohol. Now, again, I've said before, I'm, I know people who love alcohol. I, I don't really drink it much myself uh, because of a surgery I had, but within traditions that allow that, as long as you're not saying I'm not doing it and doing it, within traditions that allow that, you can have a glass of wine and it can be okay uh, within certain contexts and it can be enjoyable and you can drink it unto the Lord. Jesus drank wine. Jesus turned water into wine. And yet sometimes people don't want to go anywhere near it because that is so easily can become an epithumia where you live for that daily drink or drinks or drinks or drinks. And then all of a sudden it takes possession of everything that you want that's good and holy and, and the wrong the wrong thing is birthed in you. Um, it, it's why when we have a child in the womb, like literally a child in a womb, we get so many checkups because we don't want the wrong thing growing in with that child in our womb and choking the child out. You know, we've heard the parable of the sowers and the seeds. It's all the same thing. It's about, yeah, birth is important in the kingdom of God and in the world. But so is death. Because without death to the wrong things that would hurt us, we, we rob ourselves and we rob the Lord of the fullness of life that God wants to give us. Sin, missing the mark, it gives birth to death. Sin, hamartalas, an archery term. Missing the mark. I'm just thinking about a target. You're supposed to go to the target. And I'm thinking about how I would not, we would not allow my 23-month-old granddaughter to use a bow and arrow right now. Because she doesn't know what she's doing. I didn't even want to give her. She wanted one of those plunger bow and arrows the other day. They shot on the toy store. And I'm like, she could hurt my me or someone else with this. Because the target is good. You go off the target. You're not doing what you're supposed to. If you're turned in the totally wrong direction and shooting arrows randomly, you're going to hurt people. You're going to kill people. <laughs> I it just came up to me. My daughter, when she was younger, I think eight or nine years old, she took out, she had a bow and arrow. She took it out when she wasn't supposed to. Um, and then she let the friend who had never used it before do it. 
And the friend turned over to the side and she's like, be careful. And she said, what? And she let the arrow go and it actually hit. This was all they had walked outside. They'd gotten it without being able to, they weren't supposed to get it, you know. And um, it got my daughter in the ear. And fortunately, it was just in the ear, a little bit to the left or the right. Even this, I mean, they were kind of starter arrows. They were fairly blunt. But it got, even just from across, you know, a small yard, it caused a lot of pain for a while. And fortunately, she was okay. And of course, we took the bow and arrow away because she had had, she wasn't supposed to get into it. She was, I I think she might have been 10. She was old enough to know better and just decided I want to be nice with my friends and tend to it. And I think we kind of do that again with it, where the thoughts were like, oh, it's okay. I'll just dabble in this epithumia. It's okay. I can just have a little bit more of that. I've had friends who've done that with alcohol. We can just, knowing this is an issue with me, I can't handle it. I'll just do a little bit. I'll just do a little bit more. I'll just do some every night. And then pretty soon their thoughts are on it. Or It's just, the lady's not quite naked. She's just a little scantily clad and it's okay to think you to see a pretty woman and think that's okay right and it's like we justify again like um satan's voice it's so easy to mistake satan's voice for the voice of reason that said i have a confession to make i i wrote that i had there's a quote from my book from an anointed mess that says um it absolutely astounds me how convincingly Satan disguises his voice as the voice of reason. And ironically, it is that very thing that led to an interaction that really kind of led me away for a little bit the other day. Um, fortunately, God bought me back pretty little. And so so I posted this. Every once in a while, I post quotes from my book because, you know, I want people to buy it so I can afford to keep doing it. And, um, and I had a couple of likes even. And, and one person just wrote. I didn't even really know him very well. He was... A, I mean, I don't know him at all. A LinkedIn, somebody who got into me LinkedIn through a mutual acquaintance or something. And he just goes crazy, starts literally, he he said that I was liberal and that I was, and even that, I mean, somebody can be liberal, I can disagree with you. And I'm, I guess I'm liberal in some things and how I misidentified gender and I'm just pushing sin through this platform of being a Christian and I'm like where are you getting this from I said Satan disguises this voice like the voice this is the only like I never really talked to this guy before and then he accused me of witchcraft and I'm like what (laughs) and I knew it was the same person who had sent me he had sent a writing sample that he wanted me to read and I and what it came down to when I when I talked to him about it which I shouldn't have was that he sent me a writing sample and I said, I'll try to get to it next week. And, and I, I said, I'd try to get to it and I couldn't get to it because I was busy. And so, you know, of course I struck the comment. I got I got rid of him because I'm like, this is toxic. I don't want toxic conversations on my page. And But then I made a mistake. I tried to engage. Now, Jesus is pretty clear. If people are going to reject your message and things like that, you go, okay, you walk away. You don't engage with, don't spend time engaging in arguments with somebody who just wants to disagree with you. You know, you can still love them. If they ask you, you can give them your opinion, but don't waste your time in that, you know. But I'll tell you, at that point, my desire was to vindicate myself. My desire was to prove to this other person how I was right and he was totally wrong. And, um, for people to know you're right, that's okay. But I'll tell you what, that's a big slug for me. 
because as soon as someone says something that I know this is off and I mean, obviously I, I'm not into witchcraft. I'm so sorry if you think I am. I am actually pretty conservative. I have a lot of liberal friends because I believe in the sanctity of all human life. And I think we should have conversations and love everyone, even if we disagree with them. But like everything he said was so opposite of who I was and what I stood for, you know, and he called me a liar and that you want to get me, call me a liar because integrity is so important to me that I named my daughter Truth, <laughs> like the name of Truth in Greek. And so, so I did do the thing and then I, I engaged and I knew I should. And as I'm typing this text, as I'm typing this inbox message to him, I'm going, this is dumb. Like in my head, I'm going, I know this is not something that's going to be fruitful. I can pray for this person, but I'm typing this. Surely you didn't mean me. Yeah, I'm actually pretty conservative and, you know, I needed to defend myself. I didn't need to defend myself. I wanted to defend myself. And at that point, there were other things I should have been doing that I wasn't getting to. You know, I have a fairly active schedule. So there were other fruitful things that I was missing because I was feeding the slug. And and I'm not calling this person a slug. I'm calling this conversation a slug. And, and he wrote back and it came, you know, what came out was you didn't read my stuff. And I wanted you to. And so I'm not impressed with you as a writer. And, you know, just a lot of, like, venom. And so I'm like, well, at that point, it's like, okay, unfriend, block. We don't need to have this conversation. Shake the dust off my feet and go, no, I need to write another one. And then another one. And I'm like, well, so we should end our, you know. And it's like I needed to have the last word. And I needed to say, well, listen, I'll try to get to it. And, And then I wanted to, like, prove that I could do it by looking through and talking. I don't even know what he wanted when he, when I read it, but yeah. So I'm like, this is not, and I'm just thinking, this is not a good boundary for me because I'm engaging in something. I'm obviously trying to convince somebody that doesn't want to be convinced. And I'm trying to defend myself when there's no need for a defense. And I'm, and there were, there were a couple exchanges. And, and, and so finally, after the last one, I finally, you know, and I don't think I was mean not that I haven't been in the past, but I think it was mean, but it was just like, let me give you this evidence. No, that's not me. That's not me. And let me give this. And obviously there was nothing in, in the first thing that said that that was me. And, you know, we, you know, maybe I should apologize. Maybe I should. And like everything in me, like everything God in me is saying abort this mission. It's not worth it. You know, and I'll tell you, I considered he doesn't know this, this person, but I knew his boss's boss's boss. And I considered writing an email and saying, you don't want this person doing this on Facebook or not Facebook, LinkedIn, because he's representing this organization. And I know this isn't what the organization stands for. And, you know, and everything in me is going abort mission, abort mission. And fortunately, I eventually did. And I went and looked and the person tried to write me back as well. And finally, I was like, this is not a good, this is, this is major misfire. And the more I tried to correct, have you gotten that in that cycle of sin? I would call it epithumia's web, that cycle where you do something and then you want to correct it instead of just letting it go, instead of cutting off from this cycle anyways. And then you get worse and you get worse. Like if someone as a kid, hopefully will tell a lie and then they tell another lie, then they tell another lie and then they try to cover it up. And pretty soon they have this big festering wound under the surface. And I realized any kind of engagement with this individual for good or for bad was not good. You know, it, it would, the more I did it, the more I was missing the mark. And ultimately when we do that and we go down that path, just like the slugs, you know, all these slugs are get the bigger the slugs get, the worse Ben's garden got. You know? 
And so he had to figure out how to address it. He had to draw away the drugs. He had to just sometimes just pick them out and throw them off, pick them up and throw them out. I, whatever. But, um, and I just realized how easy and I, and I repent even right now as I was thinking this morning and I think it was just a day or two ago that I finally was like, no, I mean, it's just a couple days and like, it was not just a little annoyance. I'm like in a car waiting to see my daughter and granddaughter and son-in-law, which, you know, are like the light of my life with my husband, who's the love of my life. And I couldn't even enjoy it because I was trying to figure out how to correct this guy. Again, the first call of scripture is to love, not to put people in their place. There are times when we're called to say the truth to them, but honestly, it had already been said. Um, all I was doing, all I was going to do was perpetuate something that obviously wasn't holy. So I um, cut and, you know, as soon as I cut that, have you ever had that thing where I cut, okay, this is not fulfilling me. We can be so dumb because we chase the very thing that's making us feel worse, somehow thinking it's going to make us feel better. That's the nature of addiction. You know, you eat so much and you feel so cruddy. And so what do you do? You eat a lot more and you like, I'm never going to do it again. And then you make these vows and that, that alcohol, you always feel bad the night after you're totally drunk. That drug, it's not helping you. You know, I'm not talking about the prescription kind that you had. I mean, I take, um, I take blood pressure medication. I'm not addicted to it, but, um, well, you just, all of a sudden you need to create more and more and you try to get rid of this evil thing by creating more and more of it. It's because that's the nature of sin. That's the nature of epithumia. The very thing that is promising in our mind to fill us is actually digging this void. That very promise I've had, this thought in my head that if I could just convince this guy, if I could just say one more thing, if nothing else, you know, I can prove I'm right. And it's, if I could just vindicate myself, even when God says vindication comes from God, not us. And even just for that short period of time, the more I tried to dig up this, whatever I thought was treasure, I was just really digging a pit for me to fall into. You know, grateful that God opened my eyes to that. I'm even grateful, God works all things together, right? That I slipped in that area of my own thoughts because it reminded me, just like the slugs, how easy it is to let the slugs in. How easy it is for something that feels like it's being born in us to really breed death. It doesn't even take our trying fact the exact opposite most people don't go oh I just want to kill I'm gonna seek all kinds of ways to ruin myself there are people who are hurting and sick who try to do that for the most part we don't get up in the morning and go how can I mess my life up today you know but that thing we gotta actively remove the slugs later on uh, verse 21 in James 1 therefore Let's start a little earlier, 19. My brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Easier said than done, because I like to speak. <laughs> For man's anger does not bring about righteous life that God desires. My indignation was not helping me. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, 
and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. That's birth language. That's garden language. I'm not a great gardener. I did give birth to one pretty awesome girl. So let that be our prayer today. Lord Jesus, we all have slugs who try to come into our life and take the word that you've planted in us. We all have weeds that threaten, Lord, and we know that you don't cause those. Your word said so. We know that some of the very gifts that you give us will turn into the life drawing because we put them out of order, God. We don't put you first. We desire that other thing more often than we should and more than you. Lord Jesus, forgive us for our misplaced priorities. Help us, Lord. Open up our minds even today to the slugs that threaten the garden of growth, Lord Jesus. We need your word. We need your truth. We need you to expose the things that would keep us from the fullness that you want to give us, Lord. Thank you for life. Thank you for growth. Thank you that you value every single one of us. And help us to see, Lord. Help us to see. Give us the courage and the conviction to say no where we need to say no and always, not just to say yes to you, God, but to actively seek you because you promise that when we do, you'll be found, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. Be blessed, be wise, and may God's goodness grow. Amen.